I'm delighted to welcome Ilana King back to the podcast. Ilana is an entrance exam tutor and she also runs a training course for tutors called Become an Entrance Exam Tutor. And in this episode, we discuss all the different ways you can really enhance getting clients through word of mouth. As always, she shares lots of golden nuggets and I'll be sharing some ideas as well from both of our experiences. I hope you enjoy. Welcome to the Upgrade Your Education Business podcast. I'm your host, Samantha, and I'm so pleased you're here. As an education business owner myself and a former teacher, I understand the nuances that only apply to us. So in this podcast, I share fluff-free, tailored and actionable ideas that you can mould to suit your needs. If you'd like to take this conversation further, please do reach out. I would love to meet you. And finally, it would mean the world to me if you could leave a review. That way, you'll be helping me help more people. Thank you for tuning in. Enjoy. So hi, Ilana. Welcome back to the podcast. You're another return guest. I think I had Karen Gibb back on before, and it's lovely to have you back. Today, we're going to talk all about getting clients through word of mouth. But before we do, please introduce yourself. Uh, thank you for having me back, Samantha. I'm really pleased to be here. I'm Ilana King. I am a current entrance exam specialist. I specialize in the 7 plus, 8 plus and 11 plus exams. And I have been doing this for about 12 years now. Um, I also help other tutors make an intentional choice to become entrance exam specialists through a training program. I am full uh, with a long waiting list and I get pretty much all of my inquiries through word of mouth. Amazing. And that's exactly what we want to really discuss because there are so many ways of going about it. Lots of, you know, it feels like the holy grail for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. And in episode 55, I actually dedicated an episode saying that relying on word of mouth could actually be a bad thing because it can be unreliable. But I think context is really important here. So my tuition business does rely on word of mouth and historical social media content, but that's for good reason. That may not suit everyone. So before I ask you how you've kind of established that reputation where you do rely on word of mouth, I think some context would be useful. How long did it take you to get there? And was that intentional? I think that word intentional is so important here because I don't know that anybody sets out and intentionally says, I'm going to rely only on word of mouth. I think like in many things in business, we fall into patterns. And for me, uh, 12 years ago, you know, I was all about just I needed to fill some slots. And I did that in lots of different ways, including working for agencies at the time. And it was only after a number of years that I started to even notice that actually people were contacting me um, because they had heard about me from, from other people. And, and initially, I was still working for agencies um, for some of my tuition. So, um, you know, a client would recommend me to somebody else and they would have to find me because they didn't necessarily want to go through an agency. So, you know, for me, I have a fairly unusual name, uh, not my last name, my, my last name, King. I think there's probably lots of us out there, but my first name, Ilana, is unusual. So um, if somebody Googled me, they could find me fairly easily. And and um, that that's what would happen, or a parent would pass on my my number um, outside of agencies. And, and it started to grow that way. And, and again, I didn't make that decision. I just sort of noticed it happening. 
I would say it was probably five or more years before I really realized that actually I didn't need to work for agencies anymore. And I was filling my slots just through that word of mouth. But I'd go beyond that. And I would say that it has become an intentional choice now. So I do get agencies contacting me, asking me to work for them. I do. um, I'm out there on social media, mostly for my training business rather than for my my tutoring business. But um, I do have um, occasional clients who find me that way and come to me that way. But I actually uh, very deliberately don't have a big presence out there anymore. I have a website because everybody needs a website somewhere parents can can land on and find me. Uh, and I have a Facebook page which repeats the same content on, <laughs> on a loop again because I just sort of felt that it should be there. But um, I, I don't get clients through either of those. That's that's not how it happens. It's more just to make sure that that people can find me if they want to. Um, I've made that choice now not to advertise because I um, I actually have almost curated. Uh, a client base. Um, I I like the families that I work with. They recommend me to similar families, friends of theirs, and uh, in a specific geographical area um, that is an area that I like to work within. Although I work online, I actually have a niche geographical area. So for me, it's very intentional now. I, I, I like the clients that it brings to me and I like the way that that happens. So I have kept it that way. And, you know, you said something there that was quite interesting, that you fall into patterns and that no one intentionally aims for, you know, word of mouth as such. But actually, in my experience, they do in that they put a lot of pressure on themselves. You know, just earlier, just this morning, we had the implementation hour in in the Tutors Mastermind. And someone said, yeah, because word of mouth is is best, really, isn't it? And I said, well, not necessarily. Mm. It's not necessarily reliable. You know, you do have to wait till until you're established, whereas, say, blending it with some marketing can make it more reliable. And I think the very important takeaway from what you said, which I 100% agree with, is that it really depends on where you are with your business. So if you're at the beginning stages, your priority is to get clients through the door, to get experience, to get social proof. So if that means you know, trying to encourage people to recommend you, joining agencies, signing up to websites, whatever it might be, you do that because that's your priority. If you're at a stage, so say for instance with me, I have been fully booked for I would say around four years, four to five years, and I have a waiting list that I maintain so that if someone leaves, I can replace them in 24 hours. If I launch something new, I have a client base. Now, I'm really happy with that because like you, I work with families well, similar to you, I work with families for years. So it's not unusual for me to work with a family for five, six, seven years. So I think look at your situation and decide what is best. So if you're creating something that's scalable, like your the training you provide for tutors, you couldn't just rely on word of mouth or it wouldn't make sense to just rely on word of mouth because you want to keep filling that pipeline. But for tuition, you don't hire tutors. So you're you're fully booked. You're You're very much in demand. It doesn't make sense for you to, if you're already getting clients through word of mouth, it doesn't make sense for you to go hard with advertising and and everything else. So I think intentionality, I agree with you, is very, very key. But you've got to, it depends on your your situation. You've got to tailor it around your situation. Yeah, definitely. And and when I'm talking to tutors who are new to entrance exams and they're still trying to fill their books, 
I am an absolute advocate that they try a variety of methods. I certainly don't say to them, rely on word of mouth. Um, I, I, I'm not anti-agency at all. And I think it's a good way to, particularly with entrance exams, I think it's a good way to um, begin to establish yourself and get those results that you need to continue. So I, I, I agree. It's not, there is no one method that suits all. However, I do think that there are things that you can do to, if you want word of mouth um, recommendations, I think there are things you can do that actually can help that. And I think when you're not intentional, so when I did it, I wasn't thinking about, was I going to get word of mouth or not? It, it, it just didn't even, I didn't have a business mindset back then and it wasn't really even crossing crossing my mind at all. I was just getting on with tu- tuition. But if I had been a little bit more intentional at the time and thought, okay, I want to develop this so it becomes more word of mouth. I think there are things that I could have done at the time to speed that process along. So it was a long, gradual process for me. And and I don't think it needed to be that way. Absolutely. I mean, again, a conversation we had this morning in the implementation hour was around this and it was around referral schemes, for instance. And that's something you can do to encourage more word of mouth, more recommendations. And I think, in fact, let's come on to that. So if someone does want to boost their word of mouth inquiries or if they're just struggling, I've seen tutors post in some groups saying that I ask my parents to recommend and they just don't. I just they just don't. What kind of tips would you share with them? I mean, at a very basic level, we need to give clients a great experience. What else do you think people can do? What tips would you share if they want to boost word of mouth? So first of all, um, I have never done referral schemes of any kind. So I'm, I'm not anti them at all. It's just not something that I have experience of. Um, I've done it a different way. So giving clients a great experience goes beyond, I think, what, what we're thinking of in terms of just making sure that you do a good job as a tutor um, and, and do the best for that child. I think it's about nurturing the relationship that you have with that family. And for me, it's that because I work with younger children, we're talking about key stage one and key stage two children for me. It's nurturing that relationship with the whole family. Presumably, if you work with much, much older children or A-level children, it's nurturing that relationship with that particular child. But for me, it's the whole family. And I nurture that relationship from the very beginning. So I think this ties into the, the good experience that you're talking about. So when I'm thinking about nurturing relationships, I am thinking from the very first contact that I have all the way through to beyond when I have finished. So it's things like I really make time for the client at the beginning in terms of a discovery call and really talking them through everything that they want to know, um, every sort of part of the entrance exam experience, because a lot of parents are very stressed about the whole thing when they're making their decisions. Um, So I then keep that up through the entire time that I'm working with the student. Now, you you might immediately be thinking, anybody who's listening, oh, this is very time consuming. I, I give that time at the beginning. Okay. Once we are working together, I'm really, really boundaried and structured about the time that I give, but I still nurture that relationship. How I do it is going to be different from how everybody else does it. But for me, it's all done through emails because I'm working online and and that is the setup that I have. It doesn't have to be, but my setup is that. So every contact I have with the parent after 
every single session when I'm sending the homework and telling them what they've done, every email, I am thinking all the time about nurturing that relationship, making them feel that they are the only client. I have 15 families that I'm working with right now for entrance exams, but I hope that each one of them feels that that they are the uppermost and the primary one in, in my relationship with them. And it doesn't take me long. I'm really structured. My emails take just a few minutes after each session, but I, but I always have that in mind. And it then goes beyond. So when I finish with that student, which for me is a very finite period because I do entrance exams, they take their exam, they are done. Okay. And regardless of the outcome, so whether they've got into the school or whether they haven't got into school, it doesn't really matter. I mean, it matters, but it doesn't matter in terms of what we're talking about. I keep that relationship going. So that will mean that I have set periods of time where I will go back and email that family. So obviously after we finished and we have congratulated or commiserated or whatever it is, um, I will get in touch again in the September when they're starting school. So it may be to say something like, you know, because they got into the school that they wanted to get into, you know, I'm, I'm so pleased. How are they getting on? You know, a sort of very friendly email, you know, are they settling in? Is it great? Whatever. And if, and if they didn't talking about, you know, whatever the next steps might be and, 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 and all of that. By doing this, it means that the parent feels that they can come back to me. So not only do we get word of mouth referrals because they are feeling nurtured, but they'll come back to me for other tuition. So if I've done seven plus um, with a, a, a child, doesn't mean they're not going to come back to me at 11 plus, right? Doesn't mean that often these children have got um, siblings, younger siblings that are going to come back to me for, for a future child. I keep that relationship going. I don't bombard them. I don't have a newsletter. Some parents, some how, um, tutors do. Just how often do you um, keep in touch with them? So you said that maybe when they've started school, you drop them a message. Let's say they haven't replied or let's say they do reply, but you that's it kind of thing. You know, nothing happens out mm -hmm. of that. Do you then contact them again periodically? So great question. No, I don't unless I have a reason. And and I often do have a reason. So there might be something that I'm offering, um, a standalone course or something that could be useful to them, in which case I will actually put them on the mailing list for that. Not, when I say mailing list, not official mailing list, I will contact them about it. So so they will hear from me again. Probably only I would do this for a couple of years. I, I, I don't do it forever, but just that year or the second year after we have finished. Um, so so it not only brings me business from them, but it just keeps me in their mind so that they are more likely to refer. One thing you've got to understand about, about entrance exam tuition is that while you are tutoring a family, they will often not recommend you. It's a very yeah. secretive world. They're very yeah. possessive of well, you as a tutor. Weapon, in a way. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's okay doesn't matter because what happens is they refer you the next year to the younger ones right so so it doesn't matter that they're not referring you in the year that they're actually having the tuition it comes afterwards so i have never specifically asked a parent to refer me i'm not against that idea and i think it's really useful if you've come to the end of your kind of season with that child and at the end when you are congratulating or whatever you can say and I might have some slots opening up. So do let your, your friends know if there's anybody who's looking for tuition. So nurturing relationships from the beginning and through and after is a really important one. You've, you know, you've said some really valuable things that I want to touch on there. So you mentioned that you nurture them from the very start. You send them emails after each session. 
Um, I think that's a really good point in terms of how do you look after the families? Because I teach from entrance exam to GCSE. Some of my GCSE students, I've never actually met the parents. Mm-hmm. I've never seen them. Um, they might have dropped me an email. Please, can you teach my child? So-and-so recommended you and we start. However, I still send feedback and I still involve them in the process for as much as they want to be involved. And even the child, you know, the child gets involved then and they pass that on to their parents. So I don't, for example, struggle to, you know, in the summer holidays, because actually I have to turn the students away and put a boundary up saying I need a break. And it doesn't have to be an email. So it can that can be time consuming for some people. I use Google Classroom while I'm in a lesson. While they're doing a quick task, I write a quick little something on Google Classroom and that's their feedback and my notes from that lesson. And I think the aftercare is also worth highlighting because I think often we finish our relationship, if you like, with a child and that's it, on to the next one. And sometimes people panic thinking, how am I going to, you know, I've just lost three students, how am I going to replace them? But what you have outlined is exactly what we want to do. We want to create customers who create customers. Mm. We don't just ideally want a you know a one-off customer. And something I do just to give people some different ideas is say they've done their GCSEs or they've done their entrance exams and they're not going to carry on, which is unusual because I'm a secondary school tutor. I send them a celebration report and I talk about um, where they started, how far they've come, the things that they've really developed, things I'm proud of them, a couple of things to continue doing. So it's not quite a, you need to improve this, but I know you're working hard on this, continue it. I wish them all the best. And, you know, it it, it doesn't take me very long because I have a template put together for that, but I do personalize it. And again, it's that personalization where you make every client feel really valued You've got your own relationship with them. You know their child really well. I remember as a teacher during parents' evening, and I, you know, I would have meetings with about sixty parents, and I would have their, I would print out their faces, and I remember thinking, oh god, I can't remember who this child is. I know I teach them, and I used to feel so guilty. But as a tutor, that's the advantage: is that we don't mm. just we can get to know students even in a group, and we can get to know families. So that if you can do that, then you're creating a really strong bond. And I mention it is because uh, this is the time of year where a lot of teachers are leaving the profession. They're starting a tutoring business and it's hard to take that teacher hat off. Mm -hmm. And actually, this is a huge advantage of being a tutor is that you can get to know the families. Um, I had a student recently message me because it was her grandfather's funeral and she was doing a speech And she messaged me on WhatsApp saying, do you mind looking over my speech? I feel really nervous. You have a different relationship with tutees. So really great points. And I wanted to really touch on a couple of them because I think they're important. So you were going to mention another thing there. What were you going to say? It ties in really well to what you're just saying about getting to know the the students and and getting to know the families is actually remember the details. Um, So it, the, these little details about the holiday that they're going on or, you know, the, I work with very young students, the pets that they've just yeah. had, and, you know, it doesn't really matter. But actually re- remembering those details, not just for the, the students. So obviously my students like to connect with me. They're quite young and talk about their day and whatever. But some of these details are actually really relevant to the wider family. And if you can make note of that, whether that's a mental note or a physical note, and and be aware of that. And the, the families are really sort of um, 
touched, I guess, when you remember details that are relevant to the parents as well. Um, it shows you're, again, you're nurturing, you're really paying attention to them as a family. They're not just another student and another student, another student. I, you know, I teach um a lot of students in an afternoon um, back to back. And, and I have to be very strict on timekeeping and finish. And even if that means we don't finish something, we have to finish on time because I have another student after. And the parents are very aware of this. My, my very young students, the parents are in the room. They sit in the room while, while I'm teaching. So they hear all of this. So it could seem almost factory line if I'm not careful. Yeah. But I am careful. And I'm careful to make sure that every family feels connected with and nurtured so that it's not just an assembly line of students coming through my computer screen every day. And going with that is uh, keep lists. Now, this is going to sound really, really basic and stupid, but, but it's so important. I, however you keep your records, keep records of Every single student that you have taught, their start date, their end date, what it is you're teaching them. I don't mean the details, but whether it's for, you know, this entrance exam or what school, what school they're attending, what schools that they were trying for or whatever other things it is that you do. Um, All of those details are really important, not just for other reasons, but for nurturing the relationship, because I can then look back so I can have a a parent um, contact me and say that they you know, they were recommended or whatever. Um, and, and I can't even remember the name to be, I have a really, really poor memory for names, faces, etc. So I'll, I'll go, oh yes. And, and I'll be thinking, I haven't got a clue who they're talking about, you know, but I, I pull up my list and I can then look at who it is that they are actually talking about, that what the student was, and then immediately connect with that parent who's come to me because I can pull up a detail. Oh yes, of course I remember. And um, he did so well and got into X school or, or you know, whatever detail it is. Um, even though I've had to frantically look for that on a list while they're talking to me, but you know, it, 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 it then makes that connection that you remember that that student that you're you're you know they're fresh in your mind it just makes a really good impression it also is really really useful for if you come out with a course or a product or whatever it is that you're going to do to be able to go back to that list and really then target who on that list is going to be um uh, you, a likely client for whatever it is you're you're coming out with yeah yeah i also record the kind of grade or where they started and then I record their progress particularly for things like GCSEs and entrance exams it helps with lessons it helps me motivate them because I can say look do you remember just a few months ago you were struggling with x y and z and now look at you you know it it gives them that motivation it also it helps with marketing if you've got a record of your results and the progress students have made that journey they have taken it's the kind of thing you can put in your marketing. I want to celebrate this student who has just passed this milestone or whatever it might be. Um, a couple of things I'm going to add then to anyone who wants to boost their word of mouth inquiries is try and build a loyal kind of audience because word of mouth doesn't have to come in the form of, I have a client who is then, oh dear, someone's just started drilling next door. I don't know if you can hear it. Um <laughs> Um, word of mouth doesn't have to come in the form of this is a client who has then um, physically recommended me to someone. Word of mouth, if you think about it, could be if someone buys from you off the back of a testimonial. That's still word of mouth. That is still mm. that client's words attracting clients. So something I would say is really ask for the review and build that loyal audience. I've got an episode, episode 85, about building that loyal audience. But when you're asking for a review, 
it doesn't have to be formal. So it doesn't have to be a Google review, a Facebook page review or whatever it is. You can even save messages, snippets from messages that they have sent. You can instigate those conversations because if you are struggling with clients actually physically recommending you, there's no reason why that student's progress, the kind words that that parent might have said can't sell for you anyway. And the last thing before we move on um, to how you attracted so many people for your summer classes recently, the last thing I would add is consider how valuable word of mouth is to your audience. So everyone loves a recommendation. It makes us feel great. You know, people have a bit more trust. But there are also some contexts where people are absolutely fine to find you on social media and book you, for example, or your website and book you. So, for example, like I said earlier, a lot of my GCSE parents haven't actually met me um, and they're fine with that. But in the entrance exam market, it does matter. It's high stakes. There's loads of competition. Um, You know, there is definitely a feeling with parents where they don't want to be scammed. You know, that trust is huge because they feel a bit like, oh, a tutor's just trying to make loads of money. Are they just trying to exploit us? You know, there are all these worries and questions. And so for them, word of mouth gives them security and it gives them reassurance. So if you do teach for a cohort where word of mouth is more than just this lovely, fluffy feeling, it's actually pretty crucial then it's something really worth paying attention to and thinking about some of the tips that we've both shared. So I know we're talking about recommendations, but you ran a really successful summer class, classes recently. And it was kind of through word of mouth because you you did contact, you know, previous clients and so on. Basically, it relied on your reputation. So how did you go about doing that? Let's say if you hadn't spoken to a client in quite a while. So it was an interesting summer. (laughs) Um, I decided to do something I'd never done before, which was to run some um, summer intensives, I guess. So, you know, week long, Monday to Friday, every single day, um, creative writing for entrance exam students of of a variety of ages. And um, I... I didn't advertise this. It wasn't. I wasn't looking, I suppose, to fill this from the wider public. <laughs> um, I I anticipated that it would be my current students, but also my past students. And you might think, well, if they're past students, why on earth would they need to do creative writing if they finish their their entrance exams and I just thought that um, creative writing is something that A, is enjoyable for a lot of students and B, is something that a lot of students struggle with. And even once they finish their entrance exams, it's, you know, you you continue to do creative writing. So what I did was um, I contacted my current students and all of them and I offered this as, as something that was available. And then I looked at the lists that we were just talking about. And I looked back over the past few years and I looked at families um where they had already taken their entrance ex- exams. And I and I I emailed in different ways. <laughs> I did it fairly strategically. I um so if I'd had seven plus students who had literally just taken their exams. They hadn't started their new school yet. They were due to start in September. Um, I contacted them all saying, you know, it's great. They're going to be starting their new school. Isn't it wonderful? Um, But, um, you know, 
creative writing something that kind of falls by the wayside once the exams are finished? And would you like to give them a little boost before they start at their new school? And then I contacted some who had taken their exams two or three years ago. So they were, they were in their new schools already and and, and trundling along. Um, and I phrased it a little bit differently for them and sort of said, you know, it's something that can get forgotten about. So they did so wonderfully. Their writing was amazing, you know, for the exams. But, you know, a few years later now, um, would they be interested in sort of a booster? I called them booster weeks. Um, and so I targeted it all slightly differently. And I was inundated. I mean, I, I filled and, and overfilled um, these sessions and um, and pretty much did that entirely from my client base or my previous client base. Some of them, going back to word of mouth, then told their friends. So I actually had some students that I'd never met before that were not previous clients or not current clients um, who had come from, you know, they somebody who'd got one of these emails who had then told somebody else about it. So um, so it kind of spread a little bit in, in that way. Um, it was interesting and it taught me some lessons. So thinking about next summer, if I do this again, I will obviously repeat the, those types of emails. But it did make me think a little bit about the word of mouth side of it. And um, I did think that I might make a little bit more of that for, for next summer. And uh, you talked about referral bonuses. I've never done that before. But actually, I think it suits this um, particular scenario quite well. And I think that I might include in the email something along those lines that if they bring a friend, um, there might be some kind of a, a discount or or whatever. I haven't I, mean, I haven't thought it through in detail but I think it's it's that kind of situation that that might benefit from from that kind of word of mouth referral as well yeah I'm really glad we're talking about this because I think in the tutoring world we assume we offer a one-off service we tutor a child and then that's it you know we're not going to tutor them again and so when they've finished learning with us we assume that's the end of the relationship but nurturing that relationship I think is really important I've just um I've started teaching a student. I taught his sister about four years ago for the 11 plus. And, you know, they've, they've come back and she's, she's recommended a friend. And that's the thing is that that's why I don't advertise because there's no point. Like I, I would, I would have to say to them, I'm sorry, I don't have space, which then makes me feel quite inauthentic advertising. Mm. Um, but I keep a trickle going every now and again, just to say hi really I'll celebrate student stuff not necessarily ask for the sales sort of thing but also something that's really important as part of the sales process is following up and you know I, I heard from this sales trainer ages ago that I never forgot that the fortune is in the follow-up and we when we think of following up with people we think all oh, right so I've had a discovery call with someone and I didn't hear back so I should follow up with them but following up can also mean reconnecting with past clients you know that's actually as you've demonstrated is a really really important aspect it meant that you were able to be oversubscribed and you and I were in touch over summer I mean you were really oversubscribed you said I'm not doing this again next summer this is exhausting <laughs> um but you did that from your client base not one advert went out no, I just remembered something though while you were while you were saying that. I forgot one aspect of it. So I did have some um some students who were on a waiting list for tuition that I just hadn't been able to do anything with. So so they weren't current clients, they mm. weren't previous clients. I contacted all of those families as well. Yeah. And they without fail 
took up the summer booster weeks because they were already interested in me. I couldn't supply them what they the, yeah. what they wanted, but here was an opportunity to work with me. So I'd forgotten about that aspect. So I went to my waiting list absolutely and said, you know, I'm sorry, I still don't have anything that I can offer you, but here's something I can offer you. And yeah. um, ev- every single one of them took that up. Yeah, yeah. Really, really valuable. So I think, I mean, some of the key takeaways, I suppose, from today is that, yes, word of mouth is great. I think that is a very attractive option for a lot of people because, firstly, it makes us feel good. But also it means you you feel like, oh, I don't have to do any marketing then. But even you, who is fully booked, oversubscribed, you still still keep a trickle going. You still have Mm -hmm. posts on rotation to just keep a digital presence. Mm -hmm. So... I would say that, you know, relying on word of mouth is something that's very dependent on where you are in your business, but also your business model. If what you're doing is scalable, don't rely on just word of mouth. Throw Mm. everything at it because you Mm. need to keep, you know, the new clients coming. But if you do have a ceiling, if you do have a cap, like you and I, we're both independent tutors, then judge based on the situation that you're in. Um, and also your churn rate, you know, you are in the entrance exam market, which means that you there is a cycle. With me, I have a cycle, but that cycle lasts for a lot longer. And so, you know, bear that in mind as well as to how many contacts, fresh contacts you need coming in. And, you know, keep in touch with existing clients, past clients, future clients, have something in place where you're nurturing them. Something I really liked that you said was, I really hope that each of my clients feel like they are my only client. Mm. I think that if you use that as an outcome, as a, as a rule of thumb, that this is my goal to make every client feel that way. And it doesn't have to be time consuming. It doesn't mean you have to spend every night on the phone to them. Mm. You can do that in other ways. Then I think that you'd be well on your way to boosting recommendations. So Ilana, thank you as always for sharing so much. You all, you never hold back, which I, I love having <laughs> you on the podcast. <laughs> Is there anything you'd want to share? Just some final thoughts before we wrap up? Um, Yes. At the heart of all of this has got to be the experience that the student and the client have with you. And that has got to be at the forefront. So there are days where I am not my best. (laughs) And I'm sure we've all had these days and we're tired and whatever. But you know, my game face goes on and I am as energized as ever with every single student and every conversation with every single parent. And I never let them see that it's not my best day because they're going to remember that experience. So it you, you really do have to think about the experience your students have, the experience that your families have, and just it's got to be good from beginning to end. It does. Absolutely. And, you know, the reason why I mentioned it earlier is because it's it's an absolute basic. Mm. You can do nothing else, but that is a must. Your your The level of service, the level of experience from start to finish to beyond is absolutely crucial, not just for word of mouth, for, for I don't know, ethically, for your reputation, for, for so many reasons, for mm. results, for progress. So, yeah, I completely agree. I think that is really important. And I think most people know that, but I think maybe some people haven't thought about those little extra things they can do to nurture Mm. family. So I think that's Mm. really useful. 
So thank you very much, Alana. I'm sure I'll probably get you around for a third time <laughs> on the podcast sometime soon. But lovely to have you. Thank you again for your time today. Would you like to take this discussion further? Perhaps you have some questions or you'd like more ideas on tailoring your business. If so, book a free discovery call through the link in the show notes.